Welcome to the Jet Fuel Podcast, a bi-week podcast. Uh, we have a lot to discuss on today's episode of the Jet Fuel Podcast. Hello and welcome. We are happy you decided to join us. I am Matt Barbado, founder, editor-in-chief of NYJetFuel.com. I am joined today by just one member of the three-headed monster, so we've only got two of us today. It is Adam Zalonka. Good to be here. Yeah, it's always great to have you, Adam. Uh, I know your fellow Terrapin, Max Marcilla, is actually covering the Maryland men's basketball game against Butler. Um, so we'll try and check in with a live scoring update um, as the Jet Fuel podcast progresses. <laughs> okay. Um, Twitter up to lots to talk about. There's a lot to talk about today. Uh, so we might we might be too distracted to look up the Maryland score. You said it on me, but you're right. Let's uh, Let's get into it with the Jets topics. Yeah, so the New York Jets enter the bye at 4-6, and six, um, and we are going to discuss the team at large as they hit the bye week. Um, I'm going to have my State of the Jets annual column that I write every bye week. I should have that later in the week, so stay tuned for that. First, we wanted to lead in with a little bit of breaking news. Um, this happened earlier Wednesday. The Buffalo Bills, the rivals in the AFC East, who are 5-4 and four, and I believe are actually the sixth seed in the AFC, they would be a playoff team right now. They have decided to completely pivot from contending, and they are going with rookie quarterback Nathan Peterman as their starter. They are benching Tyrod Taylor. Uh, this is as unconventional of a move as I can think of in recent times. I mean, I, I know the Bills were sort of a team that a lot of people tabbed in Jets territory as one that was sort of leaning towards a tank job. Um, and they, like the Jets, they sort of overachieved to an even higher degree and got off to a 5-3 and three start before getting blown out by the Jets uh, on Thursday Night Football a couple of weeks ago and uh, getting just destroyed by New Orleans at home, which I didn't see that coming at all. I thought the Bills would actually win that game. Um, so Coach Sean McDermott in his first year has gone to Nathan Peterman. And, Adam, to, to start the show, we're going to tie this into the Jets, obviously, in a little bit. But what does this decision say about you know where the Bills are and sort of what's happening in the AFC East, because now it's sort of the Patriots' division to win all of a sudden, even though the Bills were kind of in the thick of it for a little while. The Bills were in the thicket for a little while. They were 5-2 five and, five and two at They're one the point. sixth seed. They're they the, are sixth the sixth seed right now. Yeah, and yet, even though they have about a leg or a half a leg up on about a dozen mediocre, messy, ugly kind of right. AFC competitors behind them, you could name the whole, like, run down the list of all of the third and fourth place teams in most of those divisions. Beside, despite that, they're going to go with Peterman now. And just, I feel like it's reactionary, but it also speaks to just how Buffalo has treated Tyrod Taylor uh, in the last couple of years. There are a few select quarterbacks in this league where I don't know how to describe what tier they are, as in they are not the elite tier or the you know, the very soon-to-be elite rising star young guy kind of kind of elite tier who's, you know, good like a superstar in the making a la Deshaun Watson. Um, and they're not bad. I'm talking specifically about Kirk Cousins and Tyrod Taylor because both of those players can't get long-term contracts with their teams, it seems, um, or, or some kind of consistency. Uh, they're different situations, to be sure, because Cousins has uh, the, the franchise tag two years in a row by Washington. But Buffalo, I thought they were going to actually commit to Taylor after uh, Doug Whaley was ushered out of the general manager spot up in Buffalo. And now it's almost as if this this is the end of the line for Taylor. It just does come at a very weird time when the, their season is far from over. Remember, say what you will about Kelvin Benjamin, but they just traded for Kelvin right. Benjamin as that if they were – he was like – yeah, because they traded Marcel Darius away, but then they go and acquire a new weapon for the offense. It's befuddling to me. That's all I can say. I think I think with Darius, I think the Bills were just sort of fed up with him. You know, that was something even the past administration under Rex Ryan and Doug Whaley, yeah. they, they kind of – he kind of um, – what's the phrase? He sort of, you know, strained that relationship. Um, so I think that yeah, was coming – it's really bizarre because I feel like, I feel like the Bills have just been going back and forth between like, oh, well, we're going to cut all these guys. You know, Sammy Watkins gets traded. Um, Ronald Darby gets traded. We're going to tank. And then they start, you know, what did they even start this year? Like 3-0 and or something? They started off like really hot. 
Um, and they're, you know, they're still in the playoff hunt. And if there was a year to just say, screw it, let's go for the playoffs. I think it's this year, given just the mediocrity yeah. that's across the AFC from pretty much the Patriots and Steelers on. I mean, there's really only two teams, I think, who can actually win the AFC. Maybe the Chiefs, but I'm not sold on them yet. But the point is, I mean, if there's a year to make a run at the playoffs just to make a run, why not make it this year? So that's that's why the Tyrod news is even more um, I had a feeling this it's going to be embarrassing. embarrassing. <laughs> I was right. just going to say it's going to be embarrassing for Buffalo when they, you know, like you called it, um, going back and forth wildly. They're, like I've said, for the majority of the season, the whole league is wildly careening toward 8-8. Eight and eight, yeah. And I believe Buffalo is going to land on 8-8 eight and eight at the rate they're going and be like yeah. the 19th or 20th pick in the draft. Just they, they narrowly miss out on the AFC playoffs due to mass incompetence in the leadership. And I think, you know what I think it is? I think, not that the Bills read your column, no offense, but I think they're thinking with that premise in mind. We don't want to go 8-8 eight and eight in a year where it seems like everyone's going to be around that 7-9 and nine win plateau. We'd, We'd rather, rather position ourselves as a 6-win team. If they go 1-7 and seven the rest of the stretch, I think they're content with that. I think that's the, the point of playing um, Peterman at this point. I think, and I, and I tweeted this as well, um, you know, Whatever the standings say, I don't think the Bills were a very good team. I don't think they were ever supposed to be a very good team. I think a lot of this has sort of happened accidentally. There's really no reason why the Bills should go on the road and beat the Atlanta Falcons other than the Falcons are poorly coached. Um, but I digress. It's just – it's. I think part of it, and this will, this will segue nicely into the Jets, um, the Bills are clearly positioning themselves for the 2018 draft, like a lot of teams are already. Um, and I think they've, they used this as a junction where they could say, let's bench Taylor. He, we know he's not the guy, you know, whether, whether we think he is or not, the bills coaching staff does not think he is the guy to lead the franchise to their, you know, the, the postseason birth that they've been just deprived of for, I think, 17 years. We're going to look at Peterman, see if he has anything. We're going to give him a full seven game sample. See if he has anything at all that is franchise quarterback worthy. And if he doesn't, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback in 2018. If he does, then it's a bonus. Um, so that leads me to the Jets, who are probably in a worse, if not similar, situation to the Bills. Um, the Jets sort of proved last week against the Buccaneers and that ugly, ugly loss that they are not really playoff contenders. And they're 4-6, so they're even further behind the eight ball than the Bills are. Um, my question is, is it time for the Jets to sort of mimic this move? and uh, bench Josh McCown and get a look at Christian Hackenberg. Because in theory, I think if the Bills were 3-6 and six instead of 5-4, and four, I think it would make more sense to do this. Um, but I like the, the idea of, okay, Tyrod is not getting the job done. It's time to see what Peterman has. Don't you think the Jets should sort of be following this mantra? Um, it depends, I guess, on if you're uh, – inclined to believe what the coaches have said recently and consistently about Christian Hackenberg, a la they have seen what they need to see. Uh, I don't have the, the direct quote in front of me, although I, I will plug your column here really quick. Uh, Matt uh, had a had a really good article, and, and you you got to check it out on nyjetfuel.com. It is on our front page right now, and it is called Christian Hackenberg's New York Jets career ended before it ever began. And the point you're making here, Matt, if I, I don't want to spoil much of it, um, is that this was the week you thought that the Jets would be naming Hackenberg the starting quarterback going forward because of either uh, terrible performance by McCown throughout the season or he would have gotten hurt by now. That didn't really happen. Um, he's been serviceable. Um, but you, you quote the new quarterbacks coach, Jeremy Bates. It's his first year with New York. And he recently said that we'll have that conversation at the end of the season. Uh, that conversation being giving Hackenberg a start. Uh, the season will be over by then. That's the whole yeah. point. <laughs> and, right. and adding, as an organization, this is professional football. This isn't triple A. Now, this points out two things. One, the, uh, the disservice that the NFL does itself by not having a very good uh, minor league or developmental league, a triple A of its own, if you will, the way they used to have with NFL Europa, which I'm still a very big uh, candidate for. Not candidate, but proponent. Candidate? Whoa. What? You're going to play in NFL Europa? Yeah, I don't, I don't mean candidate. Unless they let me try it as a kicker. I've always wondered if I could do that. <laughs> but on the more serious point that we know is that 
the Jets do, uh, for all intents and purposes, do not seem interested in giving Hackenberg any field time. I don't think that they're necessarily doing that because they think, oh, McCown is going to get us to the playoffs. Not at the rate they're going. Not especially not after that embarrassment of the game against the Buccaneers, which we will, are going to touch on very soon in this podcast, I suppose. Uh, they're lost this last weekend to the Tampa Bay. Terrible. Um, terrible. But it's it's pretty clear that they're just trying, uh, to, in, in my opinion, it's clear, that they're trying to mask uh, the fact that they, they overreached on this quarterback and they do not think that he's ready. It's It's... It does beg the question, don't you just want to see what he did right. in a regular season situation, right. which I guess is why you're posing this question. Um, for him to have had some chances in the preseason, I wouldn't call them limited because he took more snaps than any Jets quarterback this preseason. Uh, but uh, I, it's it's confusing. I don't know I don't know if they need to be taking cues from Buffalo. Let me I'll just wrap up like saying this. Yeah, it, no no, I mean, no no team, not even Cleveland should be taking cues from Buffalo in terms of uh, if you want to avoid dysfunctionality. No, but I think the Bills are playing this right. I think I think Sean McDermott all along has known the team that he has, and I think he even would admit, if you gave him truth serum, that this whole five and four start is a bit of a fluke. Yeah. Um, I just – I think I, it's tough because the Jets really – I mean, you listen to the coaches talk about it, and it just seems like they have no interest whatsoever in playing Hackenberg, I mean, or Petty. Uh, Bulls had a quote earlier in the month saying, or in October, saying, you know, we, we saw enough from our backup quarterbacks in the summer. That's pretty telling. Jeremy Bates, when asked whether, you know, we might see Hackenberg this year, said it wasn't AAA. So, I mean, clearly these guys, and this is a new offensive coaching staff, keep in mind, after Chan Gailey was thankfully ushered out of town. Um, clearly, John Morton, Jeremy Bates, these guys are not impressed. Um, to, to uh, I know it's, you know, maybe reading into the quote too much, but, you know, you also have to factor in that these guys are coaching for their jobs, uh, even though Todd Bowles has done a, a good job in getting the Jets this roster to four wins. Um, you know, McCown does give them the best chance to win. Um, and if that still matters, then I guess you got to go with McCown. My point is, if in Hackenberg looked terrible in the preseason. He looked didn't look like he developed a whole lot. Um, really could not scan the field beyond his first read. Uh, really had a hard time identifying coverages and blitzes pre-snap. Uh, just really messy. You know, it's just he has gotten into too many bad habits at Penn State. I don't – it might not be reversible. He might be just a lost cause, unfortunately, a lost prospect. Um, but I'd just like to see that in a regular season game just to know. Just to know that he's not the guy. I'd rather just have that confirmation, and I guess this is just me speaking as an outsider who's not with the team every day and not at practice every day. Um, maybe Bowles and his staff already has that confirmation. Do you think that could be a possibility, Adam? Yeah, I mean, but you're talking about the confirmation of you as a, a longtime viewer of the Jets to see it in a regular season game so we can all sort of say, yep, there it is. Silence the hack apologists. Uh, that it's faction not even of that. It's not even the shut like fans up. Uh, it's right. just the, I just I don't know. I'd rather know he stinks rather than not know and assume. Yeah, I, that's fair. But so still, you're, well, you're seeking I confirmation. Good, I don't know. Maybe he's like suddenly decent. I don't know. Uh huh. Uh, well, I, I Matt, I I don't know because the coaches, uh, if they if they say that they've seen what they need to see in the preseason. Maybe they don't need what we are describing as yeah. confirmation by trotting them out against Denver. God, that that would be terrible. I just picked the team with the best defense uh, that the Jets have to face, even Carolina against Carolina, who's next the next game. Carolina's yeah. defense. Uh, and, yeah. And so I don't know. Let, I let him get knocked hurt. around behind a bad offensive line, and offensive line is really playing the worst it has all season. Keep that yeah. in mind. Absolutely, absolutely. You you know what I think? I think I think the Jets coaches do know. I think. They won't admit it because they're not going to just totally throw the guy under the bus. But, I mean, let's, let's you know, coach speak is one thing. These are not like traditional coach speak quotes, if you ask me. I agree. It's just, I mean, these guys are pretty much put, you know, putting their hand out there. I, I just, 
I have a feeling I, – I, I, my column I pretty, pretty much says it all. I mean, I think Christian Hackenberg's Jets career ended before it could ever begin, um, whether that's fair or not. Um, you know, that's a whole other, other question. But I think the Jets are definitely going in a different direction this offseason. And um, we're not going to delve very far into that today uh, because we still have, you know, six games on the, on the docket here. But it's going to be – get ready, Adam, because we're going to be talking plenty of Jets uh, quarterback situation. Uh, in the off season, so we we'll, we'll probably bring it up before the regular season ends. But get ready. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you sound so happy about that. Stoked, just stoked. Yeah, it's <laughs> always fun to talk about you know the dysfunctional quarterback situation in New York. All right, but before we even get to that, we got yeah, go ahead. We got recap a re- really quick a bad bad game last uh, Sunday, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you want a game that sort of deflated any optimism I had in the Jets and sort of sucked it out of me like a vacuum cleaner, that was the game. Yeah, we all got cocky. We all picked the Jets to win. Didn't yeah. all three of us pick them to win the game? Yeah, and I, thought they would win. I thought they would win 27-23. Mm-hmm. We all, yeah, that's the other thing, the scoring. We all picked it around 20s, high teens, kind of a scoring uh, spread. <laughs> And instead, it was 15 to 10. Yeah, thrilling. Thrilling action. Um, The Jets, yeah. The Jets were miserable. The offensive line, I think I said it on the show last week's show. I I think I even said there's no excuse for the offensive line to struggle in this game. (laughs) And they were terrible. So I I think I've already answered the question here. Um, What was the single most disappointing thing about that game? Um, well, I don't want to answer the, I don't want to give the same answer as you because I do, I, I mentioned it even before and you, you're alluding to now the offensive line, uh, giving up, uh, what was it? Six sacks to a team that had had even fewer sacks than the Jets this season, which was saying a lot. One of the lowest sack amount, uh, amounts in the league. Right. Uh, um, yeah. And besides that, I guess just McCown not having his best game, 6.7 yards per, per attempt. Um, yeah, so the offensive line factors into that, right? Uh, chasing them around. QBR of 23.8 for the game. One interception. Got close to some others. All around. Uh, uh, it, it's mostly on the offense here because it's not that Tampa Bay ran all over the Jets either. Uh, Jets defense. Yeah, I, I think the offensive line was pitiful. I mean, it was like... You really, you know, you see it every once in a while where an offensive line just cannot do anything along the line of scrimmage. Um, it's rare, but it happened on Sunday. That was one of the worst performances from an entire offensive line I've ever seen. And Gerald McCoy proved to be just the game breaker for the Buccaneers. I mean, it was absolutely pathetic. The Jets couldn't take downfield shots because McCown didn't have more than three seconds to throw. It was just there were no running lanes. Every yard I feel like that Bilal Powell and Elijah McGuire gained was earned after contact. It just seemed like they were already met at the line of scrimmage before they could do anything. Yeah. It was just terrible. Um, but I'm curious, you know, you know, we've, we've sort of gone back and forth on the Jets. Um, you know, in August, we said they were going to go 2-14, and 14 maybe, if, if they're lucky. Um, now we're in November, and, our, you know, we thought maybe, hey, you know, maybe they're not as bad as we thought. Um, well, Sunday's game kind of gave me an indication that, yes, they are as bad as we thought. Um, what do you think that says about the, the viability um, for the Jets going forward? Do you think – do you think we see more stinkers like this, um, or do you think this is just the absolute worst this team could play? Um, you don't think this could be replicated? Oh, Matt, I, I'm I'm never going to uh, say that this can't be replicated or even beaten out with an even worse, more more awful future performance. I don't know if it will happen this year, but believe it or not, <laughs> I've been saying for a little little bit the the uh, disparity in this the two halves of the Jets' schedule this year. By that, I mean um, how harder it's gotten at the end. It was sort of backloaded with the tough teams and front-loaded with the teams that they beat, like Cleveland, uh, Jacksonville, before Jacksonville got their stuff together, uh, Miami, and and uh, Buffalo. Uh, you know, it's it's shady, but 
those three early wins came against three teams that were just sort of not at all put together yet, and Cleveland hasn't been put together. Let's put it that way. No, Cleveland's uh, never getting put together. Looking forward, viability of the Jets, uh, the rest of the Jets slate, it's it could get uglier than this because Tampa Bay is not a good team. But now the Jets have to go and, and play three teams that have already reached um, six wins or uh, – sorry. Three teams have already reached seven, and then the Chiefs are six and three, if I have that right, because the Patriots are at the end of the schedule. They're seven and two. That's the season finale. Before you get there, the Chiefs, the Panthers – I'm saying this in the wrong order, of course. The Panthers and the Chiefs. Right. And uh, after the Broncos, they play the Saints. There are four very good teams uh, the Jets have to go get murdered by. Uh, I don't, I don't want to pretend I know a thing about the NFL anymore because the moment I say that those are four guaranteed losses for New York, you know they're going to find a wacky way to, to pull it out, and it's getting a little annoying. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, the Jets can't play the way they did against Tampa Bay when they go face any of those better teams. I, I guess I'm not really revealing anything new by saying that but they're going to get crushed. The offensive line is going to get crushed. If they let Tampa Bay have those kind of sacks, imagine what the Patriots defense can do. The Patriots defense is not having a good season, but that doesn't seem to matter to Brian Winters. Oh, I mean, I mean, the case in point is the the Bucks last week. I mean, that team was worst in the NFL in sacks and they almost matched their season total in one game. So it's just, just pathetic. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, if you look at the rest of the schedule, after the bye week, they host the Panthers and the Chiefs. You'd have to think those are both losses, unless unless either team walks, you know, sleepwalks through it. Um, at the Broncos, at the Saints, um, you know, the Broncos are sort of a mess right now. Maybe that's a game the Jets can steal on the road, but I can't see any of the Jets receivers getting open against that secondary. Um, then they host the Chargers on Christmas Eve. I predicted that would be a Jets win. Um, in the preseason, I still think so. I think the Chargers are just terrible. Um, and then they wrap up the season at the Patriots. So uh, real quick before we move on to our next subject here, if you had to project these next six games, what do you think? What do you think the Jets' record is um, down the home stretch here? I'm going to go with 1-5 over their last six, and they finish with a record identical to last season, the second straight 5-11 and campaign for Todd Bowles' New York Jets. You think that's enough to crack the uh, top eight of the draft? Maybe not. Uh, I hope it cracks the top ten. The way that the the bottom of the league sort of is going to separate itself from the top of the league. I I don't know. Like part of me still wants to believe my eight and eight theory that maybe twenty four of the league's thirty two teams finish within a game of five hundred, and it's just a mess in the middle. But I think a lot of teams stink that badly that they could really finish with four wins or five wins. Right. And uh, the Jets the Jets really have next to no shot of making the top three anymore when you look at San Francisco, Cleveland, and the Giants have two wins among the three of them. Yeah. And the Colts are not far off from that. So good. Colts are off. Yeah, I, I want to talk draft all the time, every day, but I just can't project if the Jets are going to make you know, – top eight would be nice. I think somehow they're going to end up with the sixth pick because that's just what they do. Hey, you know what? That's the third time in four seasons that they would have the sixth overall pick. And that pick has treated them well, so I think I think Jets fans might actually be excited about that. Um, yeah. Currently, the the current I, I think that so you have them beating the Chargers. Is that your win, or do you think they beat Denver? Uh, the Chargers is my win, just because yeah. I think Denver it, would dominate the Jets the way the offensive line is played and the way. Uh, the weapons have sort of started to peter out. Robbie Anderson had another good game against the Buccaneers. I still believe in my guy, ASJ, Safarian Jenkins. Um, but Bilal Powell, even if he pulls out his normal December uh, kind of performance that he always tends to find, I think that Denver is going to cream the Jets' offense and win in a similar style to the to this Tampa game, something like a 15-10, a 17-10. I will say the Jets beat the Chargers just because the Chargers can't do anything right either. <laughs> yeah, it's a noon game on Christmas or a 1 p.m. game on Christmas Eve too. So uh, I like the Jets in that one. I, I think they go one and five too. Chargers. Yeah, so Chargers yes. travel east for that. Okay. Yes, Chargers. Chargers go probably. to MetLife Stadium. That's the Jets' home finale too. Yeah. So be a very emotional crowd at MetLife Stadium. 
So you got five and eleven. Also, are you saying the Chargers? They're going to beat them. I say five and eleven. I'm sticking with that Chargers pick. Um, you know, could they steal a game at Denver? Yes, but I think with the Panthers, Chiefs, Chiefs, and Saints, I mean, the, those teams are going to have to play their absolute worst for the Jets to have a shot. Same with the Patriots on the road too. Um, you know, I think the Broncos is a winnable game because you just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And Osweiler, if it's Osweiler, he's terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the Panthers, I don't even, I don't know. I don't think the, I don't buy the Panthers as like that great of a team. I really don't, but I think they're okay. good enough. I think Cam Newton's good enough to beat the Jets. Um, and then, yeah, the Chiefs, you know, the, the Chiefs are another team I'm not as high on either. Um, but the Saints, you know, how can you, how can you diss the Saints right now? And then the Patriots are, I think the Patriots are just cruising to their next AFC title. So you can pencil them in on November 15th. Hmm. Uh, and then if you look at the draft order, uh, right now, there are 10 teams ahead of the Jets. So we've got uh, Cleveland, San Francisco, New York, Giants, the Colts, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Texans, the Buccaneers, and the Bears. You look at, I mean, the Bears are awful. The Buccaneers are awful. The, the Texans are dead without Deshaun Watson. The Broncos are dead. The Chargers, kind of dead. The Bengals are terrible. I mean, there are a lot of teams that are like, you know, even if the Jets go 5-11, and 11, uh, there could be a lot of teams finishing with, you know, one win in their last eight, seven games down the stretch here. So it's going to be very hard for the Jets to, I guess, advance draft position. Yeah, the good news is that if they tie with Tampa Bay in terms of record at the end of the season, now Tampa Bay is the tiebreaker because they won. The Jets ah, would have the higher pick. That's true. They would be considered the worst team. That's very true. So this Chargers game could be important for draft position, especially because it'll be week 16. The season will pretty much be over for both teams. That could be an interesting yeah. game for draft ramifications. Um, but let's move on from the draft. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole either. Uh, let's okay. quickly talk about Todd Bowles. Um, sure. I, I would say, I joked early in the year, if you got the Jets to hire or more than three wins, you should win coach of the year. Um, I think he's done a fair job. Um, I think four and six, you can't, I don't care if you like bulls or hate bulls. I think four and six through 10 games exceeds expectations. Unless you're the biggest Jets optimist in the world who thought they would be 10 and all at this point. Um, so I, I think bulls has done a good job with the roster he's been given, but you know, that, that Buccaneers game leaves a really, really sour taste in your mouth. Um, would you say bulls is on the hot seat after that game with six to play? Um, I'm, I'm going to stop short of saying that he's yet on the hot seat. Okay. Not, not yet. He would need to turn in some more, uh, poorly managed, poorly coached games and start to see players, um, start to lose the players, start to see players give up. One thing you can't say about this team right now is that they, uh, they don't play hard. I was having this conversation with some friends of mine the other uh, day and you look across the state uh not across the state but across the way to your in-state rivals and the giants locker room has been nothing but dysfunction all year under ben mcadoo and nobody expects mcadoo to to last right with the jets these these guys you you, i don't see i don't see any anybody in the jets locker room really starting to uh it's nothing like last year with the marshall versus richardson feud you know there's there's plenty to to be positive about there and the thing about bulls is i you alluded to the coach of the year joke you made, but you're not the only person who has mentioned it. I wanted to say that I think um, there are very few other coaches across any sport besides Todd Bowles who get equal parts coach of the year talk and hot seat talk. I think actually you could say the same thing about uh, Joe Girardi, who got 12 points in the American league manager of the year voting. Did he really? After being fired. Yeah. Well, Hey, pity votes. I mean, here's the thing. The Jets have... Hey, yeah, let me, let's talk about what you said on Twitter uh, during the game about a fireable offense by Todd Bowles. Oh, the coaching? Yeah. The I coaching, mean, yeah. So you know you, are you on the fence on it or what? Here's the thing. The Jets have lost every game, or every game except one, the Raiders game, by single digits. So they have competed yeah. with the Patriots. They've competed with the Falcons. Um you know, that's about the only team, they, the good team they've really competed with. But, you know, those were inspiring. Um, but I, I, the thing for me is I, I can't stand the stinkers. I can't stand watching the Jets and just feeling like I hate the sport afterwards. And I just think the Jets were really unprepared for that game. 
Um, I, I really – I don't know how swapping Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston and taking Mike Evans out of the lineup affected the Jets' game plan, but it wasn't a good game plan. Um, the defense did enough to kind of keep the offense in it, and I know Bulls oversees more of the defensive side of things, but I thought it was John Morton's worst performance as a play caller. Um, and it just, you know, the offensive line was pitiful. Um, it just looked like after a long week, after a big win, it looked like Bulls kind of lost control of the team a little bit in that they got a little too overconfident. And I think that played a role in, in such an ugly performance um, against the Bucks. I just, I, I thought that was, you know, that was such a huge blemish for me because that was just, I know they looked bad against the Browns and they sort of had that meltdown against the Jaguars too before pulling it out. But it was just such a, awful taste in your mouth after what's been a decent first half for this team. Um, I'm worried that, you know, those kind of coaching performances are, you know, upcoming, especially against, you know, Ron Rivera, Andy Reed, uh, Sean Payton, and then Belichick. I mean, Bulls might get just thoroughly outcoached in these, you know, next six games. And um, if he does, and if it makes a difference and it's evident um, I think his seat could warm up, even if the Jets do win five games. You think that he could be? I think I think he sh- I think he could be because um, I just and you know another thing is this might be a bad year to fire a coach because it, there could be like six or seven firings league wide. I mean Marvin yeah. Lewis, John Fox, um, you know maybe Adam Gase, you know Ben McAdoo. I mean these are just guys I'm rattling off the top of my head who could get axed. Hugh Jackson, um, right? Hugh. You know, there's just a lot of potential openings. And Chuck Pagano, I'm just – you know, it's like it's just popping into my head as I'm scrolling through the league mentally. Um, it's just not good. I mean, it's, it might not be a good year to fire a head coach, so maybe the Jets shouldn't. Um, I, if, if I were to grade it, I would give Bulls a B-, minus, which would not be fireable. I just thought that was such a horrible game plan that that was a fireable offense. That was a strike against Bulls, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And and it's not one season in a vacuum. It's two back-to-back seasons of 5-11 and 11 if he does indeed finish there. Or it could be worse. It could be the team loses out 4-12. and Because yeah. at the end of the day, um, I agree with your point that there's only been one blowout loss and they've been competitive in every game, which has been made it easier, you know, marginally easier to watch this team. But at the end of the day, 5-11 is 5-11 to, uh, to an owner or to a president. Yeah, and we don't know what Mike McCagnon's thinking. Um, and that's, Nobody you know, does. I'm not sure if Mike McCagnon does. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a situation that I'm sure won't play itself out until these last few weeks here. I don't think the Jets know what they're going to do at coaching, at quarterback. Um, it's just, you know, it is what it is with the Jets. There's always, a, you know, there's always um, un- instability uh, with this franchise. So let's, let's break down the final stretch here, and then we'll uh, call it a show. Um, Jets are on a bye this week. We don't have to really discuss um, any games, thankfully. I, th- I think Jets fans yeah. are ready for a break after that Bucks game. I know I fans am. Fans need the bye week. Yeah, fans need it as much as players do, just for emotional reasons instead of physical. But, you know, there's still there's still a lot to watch. There's still a lot of young players to see develop. Um, maybe we will see Hackenberg. Maybe, you know, Josh McCown is not the most durable guy in the world, folks. Um, whether you like him or not, and I think he's done a fine job under center. I think he's been completely okay. Um, you know, he's he's pretty brittle, and he's 38. So an injury could be coming, especially against these, you know, defenses that, you know, are going to try and take his head off in Carolina and Kansas City. Um, who's one guy, Adam, who you think is someone you want to watch as a guy who could maybe step up in these final six games and sort of catch your eye? Well, as long as Matt Forte continues not to play football, it's time for Bilal Powell to have his end of season <laughs> resurgence and, and become, you know, I didn't, I, I wish I had had a, a stat ready for this, but I'm pretty sure the stat was that Bilal Powell had the most fantasy points or second most fantasy points of any player throughout last December if you just took the December games. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I remember he had an unbelievable uh, December. He, he really had a great game against Tampa Bay, leading the Jets with 30 rushing yards on 10 carries. That's not going to cut it. But he, he seems to find a way in December. Uh, and, and this December is more uh, important than ever because the Jets need to eventually decide what they're going to do about 
running back long term? Do they keep Matt Forte more than more than this year? I I doubt it. I've always been a Forte supporter before he joined the Jets and while he's been on the Jets. I've always supported the guy. He's he's lost a step. It's fair to say because he's in his 30s now and because of the injuries he's been riddled with. So Powell needs this for him himself in his career now more than ever because if the Jets do get that top 10 pick and somehow either they trade up or maybe he slips, they, they could be looking at drafting Saquon Barkley in the first round and saying Powell's, Powell's either relegated to number two full-time, no more of this uh, Powell the feature back fantasy because he has been inconsistent. He has had a couple of fantastic games this year. Don't get me wrong, fans, but inconsistent is a fair moniker for Powell this year. And that's partly on how he's used, when he's used. It's partly on the offensive line. But you can't keep Bilal blameless in that either. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, um, you cannot, and trust me, he cost me a couple of fantasy games uh, last week because of that performance. Yeah, yeah, I, I literally could have, in one league, I could have started literally anybody else but Powell in my flex, and I would have won. Um, so that was quite irritating to watch. The Jets' offensive line is just futile. Um, it's terrible. It's the wor- It's one of the worst units in football, um, and it showed that on Sunday. I, it's going to be tough for the Jets to run the ball. I really have no faith in the offensive line. I mean, Powell could be, you know, it could be uh, Ladanian Tomlinson in his prime in the backfield and he get killed because, you know, guys like um, Brian Winters and Wesley Johnson, um, they're struggling. Brandon Shell kind of stinks. Uh, I don't think Kelvin Beecham's anything special. Remember when people were so high on Brandon Shell? I'm still high on Brandon Shell. You I are. think he can develop into a starter. I, he's not having a good year. Could be a decent. No, nobody on that line is. What? Uh, yeah, I think Pro Football Focus has Beecham as the only uh, guy along that offensive line who has like a above average grade. Good for Beecham, then. Let's be optimistic. Hey, Beecham's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. The guy you were worried about. about. But the offensive yeah. line is just terrible, and I think that's going to kind of mute Paul's production a little bit. And of course, you know, when Forte's in the lineup, we really have no clue how the Jets are going to divvy up those reps. Um, Because, you know, Powell usually seeds the passing game um, touches to McGuire when Forte's healthy. So it's kind of it's it's going to be really tough to gauge. I don't think you're going to see that December outburst from Bilal Powell this year just because of the circumstances. I mean, you know, like I said, if McCown gets hurt or he's terrible and they bench him, um, teams are going to have no incentive to try and stop the pass. So. I think my guy to watch, um, it's got to be Jamal Adams. And I'm going to throw Marcus May in here, too. Um, I really want to see the safety tandem really, you know, emerge itself um, as the season finishes. I think everyone would agree Adams and May have both had very nice rookie seasons. Um, Definitely are emerging as building blocks. Um, I'd like to see them take it up to the next level, see, you know, what this bye week does for them, um, and see them finish their rookie season strong. And I'm going to throw in another guy here because why not? Leonard Williams, where are you? I know he made, he's made a couple of appearances in the last couple of games. Um, I would like to see Leonard Williams restore my faith that he is a, uh, clone or a, a Richard Seymour, uh, prototype like scouts pegged him as. Um, I'd like to see him get back to the level he was at last year where he was just one of the most dominant linemen in football. Um, And I'm a little worried that he's not going to get back to that level. I don't know what's going on, but it's concerning. So I'm going to put Leonard Williams under the spotlight too. I hope this doesn't count as a cop-out Marcelo for naming three guys, but oh well. Um, So – Let's we, we kind of already uh, addressed this, but um, do you think the Jets coaching staff is, you know, putting their job in the line? Do you think – is there anybody in particular who you think uh, could be co- on the chopping block um, if they struggle? I know a lot of this offensive staff is in its first year, and they're not working with a whole lot. So do you think any of – you know, could – if Bowles is safe, say, um, could any of his – the staff under him be uh, at risk of losing a job? Well, since you asked, uh, right after the big loss to the Raiders when the Jets had the worst running defense in football through the first two weeks, I was very quick to call out Casey Rogers and say, hey, this was the one staple. And Rogers hasn't been here very long himself. I think this he, he became defensive coordinator when Bulls became head coach. Yes. But 
the Jets' one consistent thing that they've done well for at least eight years before this year was stop the run. They were always, if not top 10, they could sometimes be top five in the league at that. And I, I won't attribute all of that to the disappearance of David Harris because David Harris did not revitalize his career in New England and come back to bite the Jets in the butt like I thought that he would. As much as I love David Harris and think he's the most underrated player the Jets had this decade, uh, it's not just one guy missing from the center because Demario Davis has shown himself to, to you know, the flashes of talent are there. And he's he's a good tackler, remembering a, a defense that he was a part of two years ago, right? So here's the thing. So what is it? Is it the scheme? Is it the coaching? Uh, it's it's not just the running defense. Why are, why are Mohamed Wilkerson and Leonard Williams seeming to regress? Yeah. They're in the primes of their career, specifically Wilkerson. Before he gets too old, I think he's 27, if I'm uh, off the top of my head. I hope I'm right on that. Uh, just throwing out a lot of things, but Google will tell me. He's 28 as of last month, so I was very oh, close. Ah, just happy notes. birthday. Happy birthday, Mohamed Wilkerson, three months. Later. Okay, go right, because he, he played on his birthday. He got that interception on his birthday, I believe. Nonetheless, 28. He's in the prime of his career. I'm, I'm trying yeah. my best to hold back the profanity. Leonard Williams was on his way up to being, like you called him before, one of the most dominant young defensive linemen uh, the league would have. And that's honestly how we also describe Wilkerson circa 2014, 2015. So what the heck is happening? These guys shouldn't be regressing this quick. I put that on the coaching because it's, it's uh, endemic. It's them. It's the linebackers, the corners. Uh, Justin Burris is not improving in his second year in the, in the league. If all of if all of your players, did you just scout everybody terribly? But I can't I can't attribute it to the scouts because you're seeing middle round picks and top picks alike sort of petering out too soon. Like they're not learning enough. I don't know. Are they not studying hard enough? That's why I think it's on Casey Rogers and his some of his staff. Kevin Green, the linebackers coaches in his first year uh, with New York. I think it's his first year as a coach. The mm-hmm. uh, the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer yet, but he should be. Uh, one of the sack leaders in yeah. in NFL history. Uh, so no, that's why that's my whole rant is to say I'm still watching to see if the Jets move on from Casey Rogers, Matt. Okay, so let's wrap up the show on a little bit of a rapid fire. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll bounce off a couple questions. Uh, I want to see what you think as you know we kind of end this show and. Um, you know, this will be these will be questions that relate to the season, beyond the season. So uh, let's see what you have to say. The first question I have for you is the Jets' final record. We kind of addressed this already, but the Jets' final record will be officially five and, five and eleven. I agree, five and eleven. I think we both said they beat the Chargers. Yeah. Todd Bowles will be the New York Jets head coach in 2018. Yes or no? Yes. Ultimately, I think that they. Uh, they give him one more season because they know the McCagnin and the the whole front office sort of set the Jets up to fail talent-wise this year. And he outstripped those expectations that the national media had for him and fans had for him by even getting to five wins. Yeah, I think that's fair. I say yes, too. I think that was, um, if you're playing baseball, that was strike one, the Tampa Bay game, on, on that was on Bulls. If you want to even throw the Oakland game in, that might have been strike two. But at large, I think the Jets have actually been really competitive, and that's that could be a product of just the NFL being like really mediocre this year. But um, you know the results count, and uh, you have to give Bulls credit for that. Um, they have not been doormats, and they have not been terrible for most of the season, like everyone said they would be. The Jets right. will pick when in the 2018 NFL draft. I'm tempted to say sixth just to uh, tease out what we said earlier about how frequently they end up in that spot. Let's actually land on the ninth pick. I'm going to say eighth. I'm going to say okay. eighth. So I think, I think Cleveland, I think San Francisco, I think the Giants, I think the Colts, I think the Bears, um, maybe the Buccaneers, maybe the Dolphins. Um, they're just – it's very proud. The Bengals, I mean, I just rattled off eight or nine teams that could be picking in the top ten here. Um, it is very, very crowded at the bottom. Um, and But a lot of these teams, you know, some like they might play each other, so somebody has to win. I know the Bears, I think they have to play the Niners and the Browns still this year. So that's, oh. you know, someone's got to win those games. Um, so it's just, you know, I think, think that some of it will, the league will beat each other up a little bit. But I say they pick eighth. I think 5-11 is enough to get you into the top eight. 
easy because um, that's going to involve a few of these teams getting a little bit better and playing better than the Jets. Um, and I don't know if that's a guarantee, um, but I do think – I, I just – I think the Jets will take care of their end of the bargain, I guess, if that's an appropriate um, uh, figure of speech in this situation. Um, I do think they go one in five down the stretch. So I think that's enough to sneak into the top ten and maybe trade up and get a quarterback. And that leads me to my final – Question rapid fire here as we wrap up the Jet Fuel podcast. Adam Zalonka, the New York Jets starting quarterback, the 2018 NFL season will be Tyrod Taylor. Oh, the pot. yeah. And you know what? People are going to be listening to this uh, Thursday. I think we'll have Max's article uh, published, right? Max Marcilla, the third, our, our other co pilot, our good friend on, on New York Jet Fuel, is right as uh, going to be publishing his case for Tyrod Taylor, if I'm not mistaken, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, he's going to post look, it. Uh, for, look for that article, too. He makes that case. I'll just stir the pot. Since we, to, to wrap this and come full circle from how we started this podcast, yeah, I think it's very likely that Taylor will be on the market and that the Jets will decide, eh, he's in his prime. He's shown us up a couple of times in the past. And uh, if, if it depends on what Jeremy Bates wants. Hopefully uh, he gets to say the quarterback coach. Who do you, well, who's your answer, though? That I'm going to go with a rookie. Okay. Would you like me to specify a rookie, or do you do you want me to just go with a rookie? I refrained from calling you Cop Out Beto earlier, uh, so, all right, so how, all right. how about one name for us? Just not the name I want you not to say. You know, I, I – let me say why I think it's a rookie. I, well, I think Taylor – I think we know what Tyrod Taylor is at this point. And, I, and Max's column is very interesting. I'm not trying to tell you not to read it. Uh, Max basically is vouching for Taylor as a potential playoff caliber quarterback. I don't see that. I think his his as a thrower, he's limited. Um, he does take care of the football. He can run. Um, those are very very valuable skills. I just don't think he's going to ever be that good of a passer where he could take a team um, to the playoffs. I mean, Buffalo did have some decent talent uh, when he was the starter. I know they didn't have a ton of outside weaponry, but it was something. They did have Lashawn McCoy his entire tenure. Um, Kirk Cousins, another guy who I think he's better than Taylor, but I also don't think he's a guy who's going to lead you to a Super Bowl. Uh, we've seen he can get you to the playoffs. He's a guy worth shelling, you know, Matthew Stafford money at. I just don't think so. Um, someone will overpay him. Um, I hope it's not the Jets, but it might be because a couple of the suitors are backing out here. Um, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen with San Francisco and Garoppolo. Um, the Redskins don't seem interested in paying him. So Kirk Cousins could just be out there for the taking. Um, I think it'll be a rookie. I think the Jets would prefer to get the, a young quarterback in um, who they can mold and develop into their offense. If I had to pick, and I said the Jets would pick eighth, so, you know, you'd think Josh Allen are the three big quarterbacks. I'll say if Darnold goes pro, and I don't think he's going to go pro, um, so I'm going to eliminate him, and I'll say I'll go with Lamar Jackson. Okay, nice. Um, I really don't have a basis for that. Yeah. I think Rosen and Allen will be off the board within the first six or seven picks. We saw last year someone is going to trade up for these guys. It's just going to happen. I mean, we saw the Texans and the Chiefs leap 20 spots in the draft to get Watson and Mahomes. So I think it's going to happen. Um the Jets with a choice of either the best skill position player available or Lamar Jackson, and I think that they they will take a quarterback who could be a game-changing talent. Okay, that would be very interesting, and I'm glad you didn't say Sam Darnold because I think he should return. I think the way the way Pete Carroll said Mark Sanchez should return to USC, I think Darnold needs to do that for one more yeah. year based on his inability to take care of the football. I think Darnold will, and that's on my to-do list. Uh, we're gonna have, hopefully, I'm gonna have my State of the Jets done this week, um, for your enjoyment. Um, but I also plan on looking at these quarterbacks. If you remember, in the summer, I did a full quarterback evaluation series of all the potential 2018 NFL draft prospects. I plan on revisiting that. I plan on doing a bit of a regrade, um, midterms per se, um, looking at the tape they've posted thus far this season. Um, they're still, you know four games left to play five for some teams, depending on the playoffs and the bulls. Um, so I do, I do want to take a look back and sort of revisit my old grades, my original grades 
and uh, revisit guys like Donald and Rosen and, and Allen and see what they how they've progressed or regressed um, this year. So that'll be something to look for. Um, Adam, any final thoughts as we wrap up this this uh, bye week edition of the Jetfield podcast? I don't think we were coming off of a bye week. I think we were sharp. Yeah, we are. We were sharp. We didn't name one important player. Good work, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You won your revenge game. You can have that in your mantle. I, I don't know if it means a lot to you. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't Probably name Fitz today, but there you yeah, go. Given, he did. Uh, given where his career's gone, yes. <laughs> That's all I got, Beto. All right. Well, Adam, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, you can thank find you Adam me. on Twitter at Adam underscore um, He's doing great work at the Capital News Service. And uh, if you want to listen to his other podcast, Jeff Peel's not all of Adam's life, unfortunately, as much as we wish it was. Um, why don't you tell people about your podcast uh, real quick before we sign off? Yeah, go on uh, cnsmaryland.org and search up War on Hot Takes. I do with my colleague and friend Dylan Sin. We have a new episode out this week, and our final episode is going to be out December 7th. It's going to be twice the length of our normal show. Ooh. Well, will someone, yeah. will someone on this podcast be appearing as a guest? Uh, well, that remains to be seen, Matt. We'll see. <laughs> Don't want to oh, give too much away. Leaving me hanging. Well... We're going to have to see if me and Adam reunite on uh, that that podcast. I'd love to join him, obviously. I wasn't trying to just push my way onto his show, but I always like being a guest, so if you ever need someone. Um, but, yes, Adam, thank you very much for joining me. I am Matt Barbado. If you care enough to follow me, you can follow me at Real Matt Barbado. Um, and be sure to follow the site at New York. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, give it a listen on SoundCloud if that's where you prefer. And of course, of course, of course, just because the Jets are on a buy does not mean that we are on a buy. Visit nyjetfield.com for fresh Jets content. I want to thank you very much. And this has been the Jetfield Podcast.